Okay, Tov, ladies, it is great to resume our Emunah Shir, which is always is Lilinishma Shendel Gitel Bas Chaim Shaul. We are on page six in the handout, which is page Nun Aleph in the Siva Shalom, continuing our study of the Slanam Rebbe's attitude approach towards the topic of of Emunah. We last met, we were talking about the Pasuk in Tehillim. Haboteach Bashem Chesed Yisovavenu. The one who has faith, the one who believes in Hashem, Chesed surrounds them. Where is that? Top of page six. So we, we talk about last time, what does it mean, Chesed Yisovavenu? It means not that if you have faith in Hashem, all of a sudden you no longer have any problems or challenges or issues. Your life is serene and surrounded by Chesed and everything is simple and straightforward. We know plenty of people who are Balamuna. We know plenty of people who have tremendous faith and yet have lives filled with challenges and obstacles. Faith is not a panacea. It's not a solution. It's not that, oh, if you embrace the life of Amuna, you're guaranteed longevity and you never get sick and you'll never have financial problems and you'll never have nachas problems and you'll never... Have... Not at all. What it means is, Haboteach Bashem Chesed Yisovavenu means, Bitachon gives us the strength, the tools, to be able to endure whatever it is that we faith. Face. So chesed does not remove challenges, it gives us the strength to confront and face those challenges and to see chesed yisovavenu, to see chesed all around us. The people who had Amuna and Bitachun in the Holocaust were able to see, even in the darkest place in history, were able to see chesed yisovavenu. They saw small chasadim, they saw small gestures of love and kindness from other people and even from Hashem. It always amazes me when you hear from a survivor who will tell you, Hashem was so good to me, Hashem did miracles for me, I felt the presence of Hashem. You say, you felt the presence of Hashem? Mm-hmm. Your parents, your siblings, maybe a spouse, children went to the gas chambers. You, what do you mean you felt the chesed of Hashem? All there was around you was din. All there was around you was harsh judgment and consequence and, and, the, and the tochacha coming alive. What do you mean even there? Even in that place you saw Hashem. The answer is, that is a level of bitachon. Haboteach b'ashem, if you have bitachon at that level, chesed yisovavenu, then you can feel yourself surrounded by chesed wherever you are. When I mentioned this last time, this pasuk, I told you about a text I got from somebody, not from our community, whose child was undergoing treatment, should have a continued and complete and speedy refuah shleima, and sent me a text just about how many brachas and chesed they've seen in their life since their child was diagnosed with this issue. Does that mean they want it? They'd welcome it? They'd invite it? Should others be jealous of them for having it? Absolutely not. Of course not. But it means that if you live with bitachon and amunah, even as you go through what are the hardest challenges of life, chesed yisovavenu. It gives you the tools and it gives you the vision to be able to see yourself as surrounded by chesed. Now I don't remember exactly where we last left off. So I'm going to guesstimate. Let's start on the bottom of the right-hand column on page 6. Habir Yehudi What this means is a Jew believes that Hashem is going to help them. What is at the root, what's at the core of their capacity to trust and place their faith in Hashem is because they feel in their heart God's greatness. In other words, if you feel somebody's incompetent and incapable, you don't have a lot of faith in them. If there's a doctor you think it's horrible, you can't say, I put my faith in you. Going into that surgery, you're nervous out of your mind. Right? Or whatever the equivalent example might be. If there's someone you don't think is competent, 
then you struggle to put your faith in them. So the amount of faith we put in someone is directly related to how much confidence we have in them. The greater, the smarter, the more accomplished, the more capable we think someone is, the easier it is to let go and have faith. They'll take care of it. They have my back. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. That's it. But when you're faced with major challenges and you want to shake your fist at heaven, where do you, do, where do you find the strength to say, no, 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 this is good? No, you can do that too. We've talked about that. When you are frustrated and angry, when one is frustrated and angry at the Almighty, shaking your fist at heaven, as you said, is also an act of faith. If you didn't believe God exists, why would you be angry at Him? You're only angry at someone. Angry is a tough word. Disappointed, whatever the word you want to use. If you thought God didn't exist, A, you wouldn't be angry at Him. If you didn't think He was your father, you wouldn't be disappointed in Him. Right? If you go through a hard time and a stranger walked by and didn't do anything, you had no expectation of the stranger. So you have no disappointment in them. But if your father walks by and didn't intercede and didn't help you, say, your father, where were you? What happened? That shows you love that individual as your father. And so too with the Almighty. When one is frustrated or disappointed, it is evidence that we believe in Him, and it's evidence that we had faith in Him and had high expectations of Him. So even that, I'm not necessarily encouraging it or promoting it, but when a person feels that, they shouldn't suppress it. When a person feels they're going through a hard time, they want to know where is God or why would God do this, if they suppress that feeling or feel guilty about it, it doesn't help anything. But if they let it out, have it out with God. God loves that. I'm, you know, he didn't appoint me to speak on his behalf, but I think that God, I think that God loves that. Have it out with him because it means he knows you think he's there. That's every bar and bat mitzvah child I meet with. I tell them, becoming bar and bat mitzvah, it means you're an adult. You live in a country, I have the same spiel. You're in a country that tells you you're a kid, you can't vote, you can't drive, you can't drink, you can't own a gun, you're a kid, a little 12-year-old, a little 13-year-old. But you come from a people that say you're an adult. Your level of maturity now is such that Hashem wants a relationship with you. That means that your parents don't have to chase you to do what's right. They've taught you, they will continue to teach you, they lead by example, you can follow them. But it means Hashem wants, you, wants to know that you believe He's there. And then I tell every kid, every child, that doesn't mean davening from the sitter in shul, though you should do that. It means outside. So you're, you're trying out for the soccer team? Ask God for help. You got a good grade when you didn't study that hard? Say thank you to God. You're annoyed because something went really wrong with a friend and there was drama? I'll tell you that child is a girl. So you say, Hashem, say, Hashem, you know, where were you? I'm really disappointed. Why would you want me to suffer this? this? What they think at that momentary time is the greatest pain they could imagine, if only they knew. So... So I always tell talk to Hashem from what's in your heart. He wants to get to know you. That's what it means to be a gadol. It's what it means to be an adult. Hashem wants to know what's in your heart. I had a great nachas moment yesterday. And I told my daughter I was going to share it today at the Amun this year. So my, um, all of our kids have finals right now. They're studying like crazy or it's a fight with them to study like crazy. Each child different. I have a minug. from my father. When we had finals, my father used to hand us in the morning on the way to school a raw noodle to put on our desk to remind us to use our noodle. That was his... Uh, so you'd look up, and when you were lazy, you're tired, and didn't really feel like working it out or looking it over again to make sure you got it right, you saw the noodle. So I hand my kids, when I remember and can, that raw noodle. 
I, I wasn't for some reason. I wasn't. And they're not. They think it's cute or I guess they ask everyone else the question. Anyway, so my, my, my 12-year-old came home yesterday and she said, Abba, listen to what happened. I said, how'd you do in the, you do in the final? How'd it go? She said, I did great. But there was one question about David HaMelech. It was a Navi final. I couldn't remember the name, David's general. I was going cra- I couldn't remember. I knew I studied. So in the middle of the final, I stopped Abba. And I said, Hashem. I studied so hard for this final. Please help me remember the name. Hashem, I know you can put the name back in my head. I need your help. That's what she told me. She said, she, said, what? she couldn't, still, couldn't remember the name. So it was getting towards the end of the final. She got up. She went to go hand in the final. And when she was about to hand it in, the name jumped in her head. And she said, she went, yes, thank you, Hashem. And she, that, she wrote in the name. And she thinks she got 100 on her final. Wow. So that was a great nachas mom. So that's, that's Amuna. Yeah. You know, it's great to daven in the morning. Hashem, help me do well in my final. But, but in that moment, not to be annoyed, and I can't remember the name, and I studied so hard, and this is so annoying, what's the point anyway, it's so stupid. But to channel all that energy, anxiousness, nervousness, energy, to channel into Hashem, come on, I studied so hard, make me look good, put that name back in my head, please. And then to feel afterwards that Hashem was the one who did it. Now you'll ask me, what happens if she handed in the test and the name never came back to her? So then she would learn the lesson, which is important for us to learn that sometimes Hashem says no. Hashem says, you know what? You were ready to forget 50% more. I left you. I let you have the rest. Who knows? Sometimes the answer is no, and we don't know why that's in our best. But that's a nachas moment. Is when your child, when, when you preach, did you thank Hashem? Did you ask Hashem? Talk to Hashem? And then you get that moment of breakthrough where you think, maybe some of this is actually seeping through. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. that is a nachas moment. But that's the goal and that's the objective for all of us to feel Hashem's presence in our life so that when we're stuck in traffic, when we're running late, when we need to catch the flight, when we need to, that with that moment, we, like my daughter Tamar, say, Hashem, come on. I left on time for this flight. I need your help. I need to be able to make it. So why do we get onto this? Because our confidence that Hashem is going, our, our faith in Hashem is directly proportional, directly related to, or is directly related to how much confidence we have in Him. So if we think Hashem is not capable, if we think Hashem is compromised, so what do you mean you're going to put all your faith in Him? He can't put the name of David's uh, general back in our head. But if we think Hashem is entirely capable, all capable, there's nothing beneath Him, there's nothing that can stop Him. If you think about God's greatness, you wouldn't have confidence in Him. Someone tells you, this is the doctor, he's the mumcha, the world's expert, the golden hand, the surgeon, always is great. So you'll be less nervous going in because you feel like, you know what, I'm with the best. And he's got the golden touch and everything's going to be great. And if we are a doctor, they say, yeah, 50% make it through the surgery, 50% don't. You know, he, he'll Google what to do right before the surgery. <laughs> so then you're not going to put your faith in him. So margish belibo, a person has to feel God's greatness, but godal ahavaso yizborech love, God's love towards you and your love towards him. Because as we were saying before, the stranger we don't have high expectations of, and the stranger doesn't feel a great commitment towards us. But our father, our avarachamon, do we have any more expectations than of our parent? And does our parent feel any greater responsibility than towards our children? So shuhu keben la'avrachamon, So the goal of Amun is to feel, he's my father, my tati. If you prefer, he's my mother, whatever. He's, I'll tell you the secret, he's neither. Again, Hashem is neither a father nor a mother. He's neither male nor female. It's not a misogynist thing. He's neither. 
He's the Ribbonu Shalom, he's singular, he's unique. We ascribe these terms to him so that we can better relate to him. We identify with Hashem like a father and a child. But if it means something, then do it like a mother. We have Midrashim that at times relate to Hashem as a, as a mother as well. We are children of Hashem before we make a mistake and after we make a mistake. We said this last time. Our parent is perhaps the, the greatest in our life, more than a spouse, who no matter what we do, there's an unconditional love. A spouse, you can blow it. You can do things that really damage the relationship. But a parent, you could be a serial murderer, killer, rapist, cannibal, terrorist, and the parent will still say, I have faith my kid is innocent. It's just not them. You don't know them. This isn't them. Right? The parent, almost anything in the world the kid could do, the parent is there. So in, this, in some respects, we talk about Hashem as a wife, as a spouse. Or Hashem as the husband. We're the wife. In some respects, we talk about Hashem as marriage. But in this respect, you know, marriage has divorce. But you can't get rid of your parent. I'll tell you a great word, a great Vartoro that I'm fond of saying. We're focused on the Bar Bar Mitzvah today. So I tell this also in the Bar and Bar Mitzvahs. Why do we call, we call it a Bar? Bar is Aramaic for Ben. A Bar Mitzvah is really a Ben Mitzvah. Yeah. And a Bat Mitzvah is a Bat Mitzvah. It's the son of a Mitzvah and the daughter of a Mitzvah. Why do we say the son and daughter of a Mitzvah? And yet, we talk about the charitable person as a Baal Tzedakah. We talk about the person who does chesed as a ba'al chesed. What's a ba'al? A spouse, a husband. So when it comes to tzedakah or chesed or learning Torah or whatever other noble pursuit, we say they're a ba'al. They're a husband of this activity. And when it comes to coming of age, we say ben mitzvah, bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah. Why? One saw a beautiful explanation. Because marriage can end with divorce. Marriages can be broken. So the person who's doing tzedakah today could stop doing tzedakah tomorrow. The person who does chesed today could get past their chesed fad tomorrow. But a bar mitzvah and a bat mitzvah, you can't sever your relationship with your parent. There are people alienated from their parents. There are people who wish they could turn in their parents for other parents. But there's no, you can't sever your relationship. There's no divorce from a parent. It's a biological relationship. It's a defining relationship. And it can't be severed. So the attitude, the relationship that this child has towards Torah and mitzvahs is like a child, not like a spouse. There is no divorcing the Almighty. So that's what the Salonim Rebbe is saying. If you believe, in this re- so in, in the romantic respect, we're in a love affair with the Almighty. Shavuos, we just stood under the chuppah with Hashem. Right? Hashem held the mountain over our head. That was the chuppah. So in some respects, we're in a romantic relationship. When the Rambam in Hilchos Sosodei Torah describes, what is the path to love Hashem? The Rambam writes, and the Rambam writes there explicitly, like a romantic relationship, like a longing between a man and a woman, like a feeling of connection, like a feeling of desire. That's what it should be with Hashem. I want to spend time. I want to feel His presence. I want to experience intimacy. I want to confide. I want a rendezvous. I want communication. There's a romantic relationship with Hashem. But on the other hand, when it comes to this, we are children of Hashem. Because a romantic relationship goes up and down and waxes and wanes and can end in a divorce. But a child can never lose that relationship. So, we're Hashem's child before we blow it. We're Hashem's child after we blow it. And like the parent who, when the child needs them, the parent is there, no matter if the child has been behaving well or not, Hashem is there. And Hashem therefore acts with us in this way. We say in Tehillim, 
Hashem Tzilcha, Yad Yeminecha, right? In the Shira Malos. Hashem Tzilcha. What does Hashem Tzilcha mean? What's a tzel? Tzel is a shade. Hashem is our shadow. So what does that mean? Kepirish Abba Hashem Tov, Zchusu Yogen Aleinu. Shekemosha Atzel Osa B'diyuk Masha Adam Osa, Kemoken Hanhagas Abori Hu Apimasa HaAdam. Your shadow exactly follows you. The shadow can't say, you know what, I've had it with that. I'm going off on my own. I'm doing it my way. I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to go dance over there. Your shadow exactly follows you. Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is our shadow, means Hashem mimics, He follows our behavior, our relationship with Hashem. When we put our faith in Him, he puts that connection back in us. When we are affectionate towards Him, He's affectionate towards us. When we involve Him in our life, He is intensely involved in our life. The Rambam writes this in his definition of Hashkacha Pratis. The Rambam believes that divine providence is not equal for everyone. Right? This is different than the Breslov perspective. The Breslov perspective, if you've read the Garden of Amuna, the Garden of Peace, that series, the Breslov perspective is, and, and it's based on the Rishonim and so on, the Breslov perspective is, everything is from Hashem. Everything. That gust of wind, that blade of grass, the puddle you stepped in this morning, whether you spilled a little bit of the coffee, everything is from Hashem. Everything. doesn't matter if you're worthy, unworthy, if you're the greatest, if you're the lowest, everything is from Hashem. Everything. And there are messages from Hashem with everything that happens. The Rambam did not agree with that. The Rambam said there's not a universal attitude of divine providence. Not everyone is um, subject to the same level of providence. But rather, Hashem's interaction with us is directly proportional to our faith in Him. That's the Rambam's belief. That means to say that Hashem created a world and He instilled within it rules of nature. When it rains, there's flooding, there's a puddle. Did the puddle, did you step, did the car drive by that made the splash come up that drenched you in water at that moment? Was that Hashem? Or is that the natural order that it rains and the water gathers and people drive and they hit the water and you happen to be walking by right then? So Breslov would say, it was meant to be you're drenched. Don't get bent out of shape, don't get frustrated, don't lose your cool. Take a deep breath and say, Gamza Latova. All this is also for the good. This was from Hashem. Whatever reason, I wasn't meant to wear this outfit today. I wasn't meant to be comfortable today. I was meant to... It's from Hashem. That's Breslov. Whereas the Rambam would say, it depends. It depends. If you're a low-life nobody who doesn't put your faith in Hashem, never dives to Hashem, never does the right thing, you're a bad person, so then it might be the rules of nature. You are subject to nature. Whereas if you're a righteous person and you're worthy of Hashem's presence in your life... So there's no coincidence. That puddle was orchestrated by Hashem. How do you know whether you're worthy? How do you know whether each individual incident was from Hashem or not? I don't know. That you've got to figure out based on the Rambam. <laughs> but I'm sharing with you that there are different perspectives on this question of when you are, to what degree, what and so on. What are the sources that each of them are using for their opinion? Like the Rambam has one opinion, rest of another. Contradictory opinions. So Chazal, our rabbis, the Talmud has it's different rabbis. For example, the Gemara Navodazara says that if you reach into your pocket for a certain coin and you pulled out another coin in your pocket, yeah. that was from Hashem. On the other hand, we have other Gemaras that talk about not a Hashkacha Pratis, but a Hashkacha Klalis. Not a particular providence, but a general providence. In the sense that God put the laws of nature in place, and now... 
So we, we so each one is drawing differently and interpreting differently. But we, do we not believe in hashgacha prati for every human being in every area? So the Rambam life? says depends on their worthiness. Not everybody Even is. If you're not worthy, you don't get hashgacha prati. The Rambam says it actually makes a lot of sense to me. The Rambam says that God's attitude is this: You want a relationship with me? You, we have a relationship. When you need me, I'm there. You deny I exist. We have no relationship whatsoever. So good luck. Like okay. life, life is I, gonna. I can't get my head around that. <laughs> Why not? I mean, because that's. I was raised with hashgacha prati. There, um, do, no matter what. Do yeah. even parents not say that? Do even parents not say, "Look, if we're in a relationship, I'm always there to bail you out." But if you keep violating the relationship and hurting me and so on and so forth, like good luck. Good luck. You're gonna learn lessons the hard way in life. Like, you need me to make a few phone calls to help you get the job or help you keep the job or get into the school or do the whatever. We have a relationship. I'm happy to do that. But if you keep knocking me out of your life and violating me in your life, like, good luck. That's tough love. That's not unconditional yeah. love of a parent. Right. Okay, so Akadosh Baruch for the Rambam, Akadosh Baruch also practices that tough love. I created a world. I created rules of nature. I created... Go operate in it. It's not that Hashem is cruel either. In other words... Understand that for the Rambam, if you're not worthy of providence and a person gets cancer, it's not that Hashem struck them down with cancer. It's that Hashem said, look, there's such a thing as cancer cells. There's certain data and statistics of a certain, no- the a certain amount of population that's going to get it. And good luck. You're now operating with nature. So it's a big, bigger debate between the Rambam and Ramban whether there's such a thing as nature. The Rambam says there's such a thing as nature. God created an institution called nature, the natural world. He set it in motion. It operates in the world. And when he chooses to intervene, he can suspend the rules of nature. But if he chooses not to intervene, there is something called nature, and nature is moving. The Ramban says nature is nature. There's no such thing as nature. There's no nature. Everything is from Hashem. Aye, coffee gets cold, the leaf withers, the tsunami forms. Says the Ramban, that's not something called nature. That's Hashem. There is no nature or natural order independent of Hashem. So that's a machlokas, a debate between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam says, it's nature. God created it, built it, set it in motion, stepped aside, unfolded it, pressed go, and when He chooses to, He'll intervene. So if in the natural order one should get cancer, if in the natural order the branch should fall on your head, if in the natural order the puddle should form right at the moment you're going to step in it. So that's the natural order, says the Rambam. If God loves you because you're good to Him, then God made something happen so the branch fell a minute later, and the puddle formed a moment before, and the cancer cell solved itself because God interfered with nature because He loves you. That's Ashkocha Pratis. Mr. Ramban says, there's no such thing as nature. Everything is Hashem's hand and what, and what He wants. So, again, I'm sharing this with you because I find it actually very reassuring to know that there's not one legitimate approach to these things. I find it very... We have a wonderful Torah, Kedosha, and we have a diverse range of opinions in this area. And what meet, what, what, what means, what, what's meaningful to you, there is a legitimate position. And I find that very, very reassuring and comforting because not one position fits everybody's liking or is comforting. Which one is true? We'll get upstairs and find out. Maybe there's elements of both that are true. Who knows what's true? Who knows which is true? I mean, in the end of the day, it's really only theoretical. From a practical standpoint, 
everyone agrees we should live our lives with Amuna and Bitachon, and the more we live our lives with Amuna and Bitachon, the more we will merit Hashem's guiding hand and providence in our lives. That, everybody agrees. So from a practical standpoint, in terms of how we live our lives and what guides our lives, there's not a very practical difference. Theoretically, philosophically, how we feel, whether we interpret stepping in the puddle as being from Hashem or not, we could debate, to debate from today till tomorrow. But from a practical standpoint, in terms of working on Eramuna, we know what we have to do. But even the Salaam Rebbe here is, is developing, and he certainly leans more towards Breslov and the Ramban than the Rambam, but even here is developing this idea that Hashem reciprocates, relationships are reciprocal. The more invested you are, the more effort you make, the more sacrifice, relationships are reciprocal. Yeah. The same is true with Hashem. We sit and we wait, we want to know where is Hashem, the question is where were we? I mentioned this on Shabbos. I spoke at uh, a few of the Minyanim. That this past week's parsha tells the story of the Isha Sota, a woman who's uh, unfaithful to her husband. And our rabbis see in this story, because the verse says, Ki siste ishto, when his wife goes astray. So that word siste is the same root as the word shtus. So the rabbis derive from here, Ein adam over boavera ele imkein nichnas bo ruach shtus. The only time that you violate, that you do something wrong, is you have a momentary lapse of sanity. If you're in your right and sound mind, you could never do anything wrong. If you knew there's a God, He created me, He created the world, He holds me accountable for the mistakes I make, He's watching everything I do. If you were really cognizant and aware and mindful of all of that at every moment, you can never do the wrong thing. Why do we do the wrong thing? Because at that moment, we have a momentary lapse of sanity. And somewhere in the back of our brain, we say, yeah, yeah, I'm not so sure He's here. He's watching. He cares. I can do what I want. That pleasure that I anticipate blinds me to everything else. So it's a momentary lapse of sanity. The rabbis say that's true for all indiscretions and we learn that from here. Why cute play on words? Tishta, tishta, shtus. Similar root. But Lubavitcher Rebbe Zatzal in Asichas says, why do we learn that from the case of the Sota? Why didn't we learn that when a person eats non-kosher, when a person violates Shabbos, when a person speaks Lashon Hara, we have, we have 613 mitzvahs that we could have learned that a person only violates it when they have a momentary lapse of sanity. Why did we learn it from the area of, indis, of, of infidelity, such a severe violation? Why did we learn it specifically from here? And he gives a magnificent answer. He says, because at the root of all sin is unfaithfulness to God. Yeah. At the root of all sin is an act of infidelity to the Almighty. If we see ourselves as married to Hashem, then, then we wouldn't want to violate our marriage. So we've got to work out the marriage. You know, Both parties have needs and so on. But if we saw ourselves as in a real relationship with Hashem, married to Hashem, it would bring a certain mindset. And you'd only violate your marriage. I mean, again, Tiger Woods, Elliot Spitzer, Anthony Weiner. You go down the list, right? these athletes and these celebrities and these politicians, if you would have frozen the frame and said, whoever you're about to be with, is that worth your marriage, your reputation, your income, your legacy? Is it worth everything? No matter who it is, it's not worth everything. So how is it that they went forward anyway? Because there's a momentary lapse of sanity. You're out of your right mind. You're out of your mind for a moment. And so, says the Rebbe, what Hashem wanted us to appreciate and feel is that every, you, made a, you, you ate something without making a bracha, you didn't have in Bekavana, you spoke Lashon Hara, every, every chait 
is a momentary lapse of sanity. If you knew what you were giving up, you knew your legacy, you knew the act of unfaithfulness within the relationship. Why am I sharing that? Because at the core of the insight is that we're in a relationship with Hashem. It's a marriage. We just stood under the chuppah. We just came away from Shavuos. Shavuos is not in the rearview mirror. Shavuos is not checked, done, onto the summer. Shavuos is, wow, I just got married. I just got married. You don't say, oh, did the chuppah, did the marriage thing, good, now I can go out with my buddies, done. You say, got married, now I want to work on my marriage. I want my love to deepen. I want to spend more time. I want to feel more connected. So Shavuos launches a period of feeling it even more in our lives. So says the Slanam Rebbe, relationships are reciprocal. Display and show and feel love to Hashem. Put trust and faith in Him. You will feel His presence in your life. Neglect Him. Write Him out of your life. Violate Him. You're not going to feel His guiding hand so much in your life. Relationships are reciprocal. Yes. I once asked an elderly man who was a survivor of the Holocaust, how do you explain what happened? He was a very strong believer. I'll, I'll translate from the Yiddish how he answered me. He said, a leaf doesn't fall from a tree without Hashem wanting it to. And that was his only explanation, right. and he accepted it totally. Right, So that, and, that, and that, for him to endure what he did and live with faith? Yeah, I, again, I, I want you to know something. I think it's okay within a person even to waver between the explanations. Yeah. There are periods of my life where I feel... Everything that every raindrop that fell on my head is from Hashem. And the periods of my life where I feel like, you know what? Stop blaming Hashem for everything. There is a natural world. And who says that you deserve that Hashem interferes with nature every second on your behalf? And okay, so, so you got a cold. Who says you got a cold because of Hashem? Mm-hmm. You got a cold because it was cold out. You walked out without a cold. You don't get enough sleep. Your immune system was low. Because you're, you're an idiot. You got a cold. So don't blame Hashem for the cold. So I, I, even within one person, I think it's legitimate to, to waver between feelings of breast love and feelings of Rambam, feelings of everything is Hashem and feelings of not. What's most important is that we're thinking about it, that we're talking about it, that we're involved in it, that Hashem is part of the conversation, which unfortunately you could be living a totally Torah-observant halachic from life. Hashem is never mentioned, He's never thought about, He's not Baba Cheshbon, He's not even part of the equation. The important thing is which side you lean. Okay. But the important thing is he's in the Hasidic equation. And Rambam is not. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself. The opinions here do not line up between rationalist and Hasidic. They, they do not line up that way at all. There's, there's different we opinions. Raised, I come from a Litvisha home where you didn't talk about the Rabbana Shalom as your father. And all right. my Hasidic friends always said, There's different emphasis. We're all children of, yeah. you know, God is everybody's father. There's different emphasis. Let's finish this When somebody gets to the gate of the palace, we said this last time, we quoted this medrash. Somebody, a stranger, gets to the gate of the palace and the guards stop him. And he says, no, 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 I, I have a very close relationship with the king. You have to let me in. They say, okay, fine. He comes in, and the king says, who are you? They say, well, you just told us you have a close relationship with the king. You lied to us. And he says, no, I do. I, I know about the king, and I feel connected to him because I put my faith in him. So the king says, you put your faith in me? You feel that we have a close relationship? Tell me, what can I do for you? So he says, that's where Amunah Bitachon for us too. We come to the king and we say, I have a close relationship with, let me, be, let me in. I have a close relationship with the king. I know him, I trust him, I lean on him. 
and 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 opposite this category of emuna bitachon, nothing can undo it. Kemashmos aksuv. Keli keli lama azavtoni. Elokim akra yaman valosa anev valayla v'lo dumiyali. Bechab b'tchu avasenu b'tchu v'atifaltemo. Bechab b'tchu v'lo boshu. So all these psukim are alluding to that level of bitachon. King, I put my faith in you. You know, that mumcha doctor, you were trying to get in because you had to see the world's expert. And you get into the room and you say, you don't know me, but I know everything about you. And I'm putting all my faith in you. And I trust you. And I believe in you. And you have to help me. Right? So we, we can understand that metaphor in the human realm. When there's somebody we're trying to get in with, spend time with, we need. And, and certainly with the Almighty. Even when the gates of prayer are locked and God is concealed from us, when I call out to Him to the day and I feel like He's not answering, so even when it feels like the gates of prayer are locked, I'm calling out and there's no answer. Still, emuna and bitachon can break down the gates. Shabefanav ein hastarim umafli plos banhaga ilois lahashtik midas adin vakatrigo katrigoim. That when we live with emuna and bitachon, when we feel no, okay, my prayer, my sitter, my tehillim aren't working. God, I'm just going to talk to you from my heart. You have to help me. You have to let me in to see him because I, I'm close with him. What do you mean? You never met? No, I'm close with him. I believe in him. I trust him. I'm putting everything in him. And Munan Bitochan have the ability to break down walls and barriers and gates that even Tfila doesn't have the power to do. Have a fantastic week. We're on for next week. Stay dry.